On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, well, we got a little bit of a late topic tonight. We're going to talk about Christmas a few days late. Yeah, we had a, I had a young man come to me and say, I, I sure wish I could hear you all in the Virtual Bible Study talk about Christmas and what we know about Christmas and how we should, how we should view Christmas uh, as Christians. And I said, well, we can sure do that. Uh, and so we're going to cover Christmas after the fact. Three days late. But then we're going to also talk about maybe the New Year's and some things looking 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 ahead toward the new year. We're going to look back and look forward tonight on the Virtual Bible Study, and we're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible, or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and this is the virtual bible study for thursday december 28th 2017 the last program in 2017 we're glad that you're a part of it tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad we're not doing any more this year we're done yeah but uh, hopefully we'll have another year's worth starting next week. Uh, that's our plan, and Lord willing, we'll we'll follow through. Uh, and we appreciate all of you who help us and participate with us on the Virtual Bible Study. All right, and uh, Josh McCord's behind the controls again tonight. Josh, welcome back. It's been a while. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Glad that you're here. And uh, if you're here in the chat room tonight, sign in with other listeners. Maybe if you listened on the, the first program of 2017, maybe let us know there in the chat room, or just maybe let us know where you're listening from uh, as you join us on the program tonight. Call us at 877-381-4567. Email us questions at collegeview.com. And you want to use that email address for a couple of things that we'd want to send you in the mail. Yeah, well, we've been getting some requests, Jacob, for our daily Bible reading calendar for 2018, and we're glad to send those out. It's getting a little late, but you you won't if you will send us an uh, an email say get me the calendar as quick as possible. You won't be more than a day or two late getting started. We'd be glad to send those to you uh, free of charge. And we've kind of sweetened the pot a little bit, Jacob, by saying we'll also send with it a, a bumper sticker for the virtual Bible study. And you can stick that on the back window of your car or someplace where you can help us advertise the virtual Bible study. But uh, if you let us know. Now, if you're if you are going to be uh, late getting it first of the week, we'll we'll put that up on our website and so you'll be able to access and then maybe later in the year if you're away from home and you forgot to carry your calendar with you you can get on the website and look and see what you're supposed to be reading all right so send those in uh send your snail mail address to questions at collegeview.com um and uh we want to hear from you on that we want to hear from you on any topic you'd like discussed in 2018 well you know, go ahead and get that that stack started for 2018 yeah, we, we've got some stuff in our stack already and we, we but we're looking for more questions that you all provide for us so that we can add to that and and get us another one of the listener question listener question programs going uh, so just let us know. All right. Earlier today, we sent out to our update list some questions that we want to discuss on the program tonight. If you're not on our update list, we always tell you, get on that list by sending us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. Yep. Question number one, what do we know about the history of the Christmas celebration? Number two, do we know the day Jesus was born? Was it December 25th? 
Number three, is there authority for a special religious observance of Jesus' birth? Number four, can Christians celebrate Christmas as a secular holiday like Labor Day, Fourth of July, and so forth? Number five, what are your spiritual goals for 2018? Give us a list of things you think we should strive for in the new year. All right. Good so discussion. let's start out. I think I think a really interesting question is, what about this history of the Christmas celebration? Um, we got a lot of history on that, actually. There's there's just quite a quite a bit of information about how the observance of Christmas originated. But you know, all of that history is secular history because it's just simply not in the Bible. There's not any Bible history. There's not any inspired history of people commemorating the birthday of Jesus with anything akin to a Christmas observance. All right. Uh, so to find the answer to what do we know about the history of Christmas, going to have to look outside of the New yeah. Testament. And there's pretty much uniform agreement about this. The Catholic Encyclopedia says Christmas was not among the earliest festivals of the church. Irenaeus and Tertullian omit it from their lists of feasts. So even the Catholics acknowledge that it wasn't there. Uh, Chambers Encyclopedia says the earliest mention of the observance of this day is in Rome in the year 336. It was only adopted at Alexandria about 430, and it was still unknown at Jerusalem when St. Jerome wrote early in the 5th century. So we're talking hundreds of years after the church began in the 1st century, this observance of christmas still wasn't being practiced okay uh the world book encyclopedia says that in the year 354 a specific date was set by the authority of the bishop of rome i think his name was liberius okay All i right. think you've got some more info on that well the, the well the catholics will claim though that christ was born on christmas day they say uh, from uh, one of their uh, publication here my catholic faith this is somewhat dated but says Christ was born of the Blessed Virgin Mary on Christmas Day in Bethlehem more than 1,900 years ago. They claim that he was born on Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, We're going to yeah. talk about that in our in our yeah. follow-up question. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can prove that that is absolutely not possible. That's right. But uh, they've developed all kinds of um, rituals around this day. Uh, the church celebrates the nativity on December 25th. The feast is called Christmas. On this day, every priest is granted the privilege of saying three masses. One of those masses in, is in commemoration of Christ's eternal birth from God the Father, another in remembrance of his temporal birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and a third to recall his spiritual birth in the hearts of the faithful. The word Christmas comes from Christ and Mass. The feast is so called because on that day, the Mass commemorating the birth of Christ is said. There you go. There you go. Um, many churches and homes set up a crib at Christmas. This custom, although very ancient in origin, was popularized by St. Francis of Assisi. In the year 1223, he visited Pope Honorius III and sought approval of his plans to make a scenic representation of the nativity. Having obtained the Pope's consent, Francis left Rome and arrived at uh, Grisio on Christmas Eve, there in the church, he constructed a crib, grouping around it images of the Blessed Virgin and St. Joseph, of the shepherds, the ox, and the ass. At the midnight mass, St. Francis acted as deacon after singing the words of the gospel, and they laid him in, the ma- in a manger. He knelt down to meditate on the great gift of the Incarnation. Now notice this. And people around saw in his arms a child 
surrounded by a most brilliant light. So a miraculous. Oh, he was holding. At least he looked like he was holding maybe baby Jesus there yeah, as he yeah. knelt down by the crib. Now, since then, the devotion to the crib has spread far and wide. So they're devoted to this crib, mm-hmm. this manger. They're devoted to it, the, the Catholics. The, the crib remains in church until the octave day of the Epiphany. At the proper time, the images of the three kings and their retinue are added, making a daily advance toward the crib. So there you go. So there's just a lot of there, there's a lot of stuff about the observance that has come along over a period of hundreds of years. What we're saying, that was in the 1200s when, when the nativity scene sort of became popularized. That that seems so normal today because it's been done for a long time, but it was really late getting started. It wasn't biblical. You can't read about it in the Bible. And it was actually over a thousand years after uh, the first century when when the Catholic Church began that particular part of the observance of Christmas. So uh, really what, what what we're saying here is we ask about what do we know about the history and origin of the, of the Christmas holiday. We know that it wasn't observed in the first century. It wasn't practiced among the earliest Christians. Everybody agrees that. There's, uh, church historians are in uniform agreement about that part. And so you don't read about it in the Bible. Therefore, it is clearly something that came from human origin, not from divine origin. It's interesting, though, that uh, this is one of the holy days of obligation, which you must attend Mass uh, on Christmas. Uh, And if you fail to do so, it is a mortal sin, a sin that will keep you out of heaven, Mm -hmm. uh, by failing to attend Mass on Christmas Day. On this day, we commemorate the birth of Jesus Christ in the stable at Bethlehem, uh, they say, and failing to attend is a mortal sin. Okay. So, uh, again, I think the evidence is just really clear about where this started. Mm-hmm. And, it, and and if we wanted to be more specific, not only did it start with men, it started with the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is the one who originated this religious observance of the birthday of Jesus. Josh? Well, I was just right along with you guys. If there was something that was that important for us to do, and it was a religious thing for us to do, we would have some instruction. I think we're going to get to that, but yeah. we would have some instruction about what to do. But, to say, I mean, it's a mortal sin. So mortal you sin. would think that the Bible would say specifically, you have to do this. But there's nothing There's nothing about it. No, so, no. Completely man-made. Well, and, and think about that for a minute. I mean, just, just in all objectivity, if could we pass a rule... Uh, could we say that you have to wear a red blazer to church on December 25th, and if you don't, you will go to hell? Well, people would say, "Are you crazy? That's that's oh. you can't make rules like that." Oh, uh, but that's effectively that's pretty much what the Catholics have done about Christmas. Well, it gets even worse than that. Notice this. What else does the church oblige us to do on holy days of obligation? Christmas is one of the holy days of obligation. The church obliges us to abstain from servile work on holy days of obligation, just as on Sundays, as far as we are able. So the church is mandating, in effect, a a Sabbath, right? Uh We are to abstain from servile work. But the scriptures in in Colossians 2.16 strictly forbid someone from... 
binding a Sabbath day on on on, on someone yeah. else. So yeah. certainly, it's a, it's amazing how they're uh, binding these. I, human I just traditions. think. It, 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 I guess the lesson learned from that is people begin to take things for granted if they are of long standing and without. But if if you investigate it, you realize that this is something that cleared with humans and not with God. And and I, I just think that that that's a, a point that has to be accepted. And and really, if you're serious, you have to 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 accept that as being the reality. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Sign in the chat room if you're not already signed in. Let's grab a quick break, Jacob, and when we come back, let's talk about this, this the day chosen. It was chosen by men. It was specifically chosen by the Catholic Church, December 25th. Let's talk about that day, and I think without a shadow of a doubt, we can prove that that's not, whatever day Jesus was born on is not revealed, but it wasn't December 25th. Well, okay, let's hear it. Uh, we'll get to it on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss some. We'll study. It continues right after this. Me again, Mike Smith at the College of the Church of Christ. Let me ask you some more questions. Do you remember when the pulpit was used for the purpose of convicting sinners and teaching them how to be saved? Are you tired of preachers who seem more inclined to entertain their audience than to teach them the truth? Does it seem that sermons you are, t- you are hearing each week could as easily be given in a PTA meeting or a social club? Do you remember when sin was called sin, yet at the end of the sermon you knew, by book, chapter, and verse, what the preacher was talking about and why? Well, we're still preaching the old Jerusalem gospel that you read about in your Bible. We invite you to investigate for yourself. Please come and see the Sunday at the College of Church of Christ at 9.30 a.m. on Hampshire Pike. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Profanity is the linguistic crutch of the inarticulate. The fellow who says it can't be done is likely to be interrupted by someone who is doing it. Criticism is easy. Achievement is more difficult. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight. As we talk about Christmas, we're going to get to the new year here in just a minute. But we're talking about Christmas now. What do we know about it? And specifically, when was Jesus born? Let's talk about this December 25th. I mean, and you were just reading from from the Catholic source that actually claims it was that day. It was, yeah. Uh, But what we know is that it probably almost certainly couldn't have been that day. Uh, Luke 2, verse 7, beginning, She, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I just stop there to say we're so we're so thankful for that account right there that we just read about the birth of Jesus. I wouldn't want anybody to think when we're talking about this man-made observance of Christmas, that we that that means we're not grateful for the Virgin Mary and the birth of Jesus in the in the stable in Bethlehem, laid in a manger. That's you know we're very grateful for that. Obviously, our salvation was de- dependent upon Christ coming to earth to live among men. So don't let anything that we say tonight suggest that we're ungrateful for the birth of Jesus. But notice. The, the description they're given in Luke, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Mm-hmm. Now, let me read to you what the commentator Albert Barnes says about that. 
The climate was mild, and to keep their flocks from straying, they spent the night with them. The Jews sent out their flocks into the mountains and desert regions during the summer months and took them up in the latter part of October or the 1st of November when the cold weather commenced. It is probable from this that our Savior was born before the 25th of December. At that time, it is a cold, especially in the high and mountainous regions about Bethlehem. So there's a, there's a real there's a real key there. There's a there's a, a very plain statement. The shepherds were with their flocks out in the field at night, and we know that that was something that was practiced in the warmer months of the year and not in the winter months. You know, if if you look at a globe, the 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 positioning of Israel, Judea, Jerusalem, Bethlehem. It's pretty similar to sort of the the mid latitudes of the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we are. This is December twenty eighth, and it's going to be in the teens tonight in Tennessee. And I know those of you who are listening farther up north, it's really even more frigid up there. But I'm going to tell you, mid teens for us in Tennessee is cold enough, isn't it, Josh? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, but the climate in Palestine is similar to our climate. And uh, they just wouldn't stay out with their flocks at night in the middle of, in, in the late December, uh, December 25th. They just wouldn't do that. And so it's almost absolutely certain that if you're going to try to pick a date for the birthday of Jesus, and you'd have to pick one because the Bible doesn't tell us when it was, you'd be pick, you'd be making a bad guess to pick December 25th. It almost absolutely certainly couldn't be that date. And so the question might the question might come up why was that date chosen if that if that seems so logically impractical uh why was that date chosen well the new international encyclopedia says the same instance which sets the natalis invicti that is a festival of the birthday of the sun at the winter solstice that's the time when the days begin getting longer that will suffice to set the Christian feast there too. The wish to place a Christian feast in opposition to the feast of the sun at the winter solstice may have had weight. So remember now, in in, in the centuries after, when when and this is not first century time frame. We already said they they weren't observing this Christmas in the first century, early Christians, but several hundred years later. As more pagan people were being brought into the Catholic Church, the pagans were very inclined to worship the sun. That's always been a thing. I mean, we even read about that in the Bible, the worship of the sun. And so these pagans are being brought into the Catholic Church, but they are really devoted to their midwinter festival of worshiping the sun. You kind of think about it. The winter solstice is usually December 21st, 22nd, just right about exactly the date that they chose for Christmas. And the pagans were inclined to have a big feast and festivals honoring the sun because the sun had gone in the northern hemisphere. The sun had gone far away. And they're sort of inviting the sun to come back. Please come back to us. Warm us right. up. Right. And so they had this big midwinter festival on and around the winter, time of the winter solstice, late December. And it's generally argued by authorities that the Catholic Church chose that time to to celebrate Christmas, the birthday of Jesus, as sort of a distraction uh, to the pagans so they wouldn't be doing their 
pagan thing and worshiping the sun. Uh, there seems to be pretty good agreement that that's what happened there. Okay, guest 8169 says, Yes, but keep in mind, the average temps in Bethlehem this week are 60 for the high and 42 for the low. Uh, so well, we have, we have Christmas days like that sometimes, too. Yeah. But but we're just talking about the general climate and the general the general practice would be not to have the sheep out this time of year. Yeah, um, probably similar to what we would do with our livestock in this area. But um, the long well, story, we've, we've got livestock out in the field tonight, but we're not we're not out there with them, and they're not getting a lot of benefit from being out in the field yeah. this yeah. time of year. Uh, and so if you were if you had to invest time in staying out with them, you might say, well, it's better off for me to bring them into the, the fold somewhere. Um, but what we're saying, long story short, is we don't know when he was born. Chances are it was probably not December 25th, probably high probability. But again, uh, you couldn't prove it one way or the other. And, and even if it was, it still uh, is is a man-chosen day because the Bible doesn't tell us. That's right. That's right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Chime in on the program tonight. We got an email from Kent in Georgia who said Christmas was a religious holiday instituted by Roman Catholicism known as Christ Mass. The basis of such was adapted from various pagan practices and applied to the celebration of the birth of Christ. We do not know the day regarding the birth of Christ. It is highly doubtful that Christ was born in the winter season. History attests to the fact that flocks of sheep were taken out to graze in the uh, in the evening hours due excuse me history attests to the fact that flocks of sheep were not taken out to graze in the evening hours due to the cold nights while palestine is well known for its warm climate the nights during the winter season were and are very cold okay thank you Kent, for those uh comments on the program tonight all right so uh I think that's interesting history. That's that's primarily just his, history of of the Christmas observance. I think that a lot of people are just completely unaware of those facts. It's not hard to discover those facts. And again, there's there's pretty much uniform agreement among authorities uh, as to the things that we just described. But a lot of people haven't taken the time to investigate that. When you do, you realize this is a day purely of human origin. Josh. I was going to say, uh, not specifically what we're talking about, but that's a lesson learned that we've got to uh, not just try to distract. You know, let's let's create something to distract people. Let's, you know, if they come in with false ideas, let's just create something else false to distract them. And we'll we'll call it a good thing. Uh, we just got to stick to the truth. And so the truth about this subject is there wasn't detail about it. We don't know the day, and so we can't just arbitrarily come up with a day and then force people to celebrate it. This is the day yeah. because we don't have that information. You made a point earlier that I think is really good, that if this was a day that God wanted us to observe, and it very well could have been. I mean, God could have said, remember the birth of Christ on this day every year. The fact that he didn't and the fact that there is not Bible information about that really speaks volumes. Second Peter 1 verse 3 says, His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Uh, if it's something that's necessary, God would have given us that information. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of ma- man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. If it was a good work that God identified, then He would have told us when to do it and how to do it. But the complete absence of that information in the Bible clearly indicates this is not a thing that God 
mandated or authorized or, or instructed us about. Guest 8169 says the main point which the world should be taught. Christ asked us to remember, celebrate his body, one bread and blood, one cup of the cross. He didn't ask us to celebrate his birth. And I think that's really the important point. Someone says, well, you mean we're not supposed to remember Jesus? Oh, yes, we're supposed to remember Jesus. And there, there are different ways that we remember Jesus. But specifically, we remember Jesus in the observance of the Lord's Supper. That is a festival, if that, you will, that he instituted, that, that he that commanded. Is mandated. That is yeah. mandated to us. And so we, we do that. And we do it. And we've talked even about that recently on the virtual Bible study about the observance of the Lord's Supper. And the el- the proper elements to use. What we're remembering is his death, his body that was surrendered, his blood that was shed as he died sacrificially to cover our sins. And we remember that uh, in the Lord's Supper, uh, and, and we do that not even. And, and I think kind of interestingly, we don't do that just once a year. We do that every first day. Of but the week. notice the difference uh, in uh, a mandated, instructed observance versus a man-made. Observance. There's no ambigu- ambiguity here. It's clear that what Christ expects for the Lord's Supper, this Christmas thing that man invented, can't find anything about it in the Bible. Um, so obviously there's a difference. Yeah, but people are really devoted to it. I, I had some statistics last week that talked about how frequently people, uh, the, the most frequent searches uh, on the Internet for church, uh, for church uh, involve Easter and Christmas. Easter and Christmas, that's when people think about religion, two well, times a year. You know, if I had to make sure I was there those days or else I, you know, it was going to send me to hell, I definitely would be doing some searching because, well, probably those are the only times that I'd go if I was of that conviction. But Well, the fact of the matter is God didn't tell us about it. I know where the church is otherwise, right? He, he didn't instruct us. He didn't. He didn't inform us. He didn't. Uh, give us the essential information that would be required if we were to observe Christmas as a religious holiday. You know, there's just, and, and having said that, then we would simply say there's no authority for an organized, mandated, bound observance of Christmas. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus or by his authority, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. We just don't have that that kind of authority to mandate a specific observance of Jesus on some given, a birth of Jesus on some given day of the year. Now, we're just up against our break, Jacob, but when we come back, we had a follow-up question to that, and we asked, is, is, uh, can, can Christians celebrate Christmas as a secular holiday, or maybe even, I didn't ask this, but could Christians make a, a special spiritual observance of some day celebrating the birth of Jesus. Let's talk about that when we come back. And Mohan from Illinois has signed in on that one, and specifically about whether or not it is a, could be a religious holiday. What do you think about that? Let us know your thoughts. We'll be back right after this. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. From time to time, as we listen to sermons or attend Bible classes, something will be said with which we disagree. What should we do when this happens? First, be sure that you properly understand what was said. It might be that you simply did not hear what the other person was saying. Changing a single word can sometimes drastically alter the meaning of a sentence. Also, expressions taken out of context can lead to conclusions that were never intended. 
Take notes. Re-listen to the recorded sermon if available. Study the scriptures that were referenced in the lesson. Many potential problems will be resolved in this way. Additionally, give the benefit of the doubt to your brother who's doing the teaching. Love actually demands this, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Do not automatically assume the worst. If questions linger, it's best to go directly to the one who has done the teaching. Too often we complain or criticize to others, but never to the one who supposedly made the error. This simply is not right. Wait for a good opportunity. And by the way, right after the lesson in front of other people is usually not the best time. Or set up an appointment. Calmly discuss your concerns with the man face to face. If we do this, the vast majority of misunderstandings will be quickly settled. Finally, in the few cases where the matter is not remedied by these initial steps, it will be necessary to press the matter further. If error has been taught, we cannot remain silent. We must oppose and expose the false teaching, Galatians 2, verse 5, and verses 11 through 13. But even in this type of situation, we should be careful to conduct ourselves in a way that will make it easy for the erring brother to acknowledge his mistake and make correction, 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26. Disagreements are certain to arise. Let's be sure we handle all such situations properly as we endeavor to, quote, keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, Ephesians 4, verse 3. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. Back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We encourage you to find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. In short, we are committed to following what the Bible teaches and avoiding those man-made traditions and uh, doctrines and just doing what the Bible instructs us to do. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to come and worship with us. Find out more about our meeting place and location time services at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We got a question now about can can Christians engage in a secular observance of the day, uh, and and uh, so there, uh, this I'm going I want to follow up with this on another part of the question. But could can you just have a day, a day off of work, day to get together with family, a, gay, a day to exchange gifts with one another, uh, a day to eat a lot of good food. Can we do it? We do that. We do something similar to that, like on Thanksgiving, which is clearly a man-made day, although it is a day of Thanksgiving. You know, we try to be we try to be mindful of all of our blessings on Thanksgiving. But, you know, Fourth of July, they're on Fourth of July and have picnics and enjoy one another's company. Uh, we get, we have other days of the year that where we typically get a day. We have a Memorial Day where we remember uh, those who've passed, uh, especially military people who've, who've sacrificed. And, uh, uh, we have Labor Day. is supposed to be a day off of work. You know, can, can, can we <clears throat> engage in this Christmas thing in that sort of a way? In other words, we just we, we omit all reference to the birth of Jesus or anything that connects with religion. Can we just have a day, just an enjoyable day with family, uh, maybe especially to give gifts to one another and, and so forth? Can we do that? Uh, what, what do you think, Jacob? I, I, I do. There are those who, because of the uh, connection with uh, the Catholic Church and its, uh, its perversions, say that they're not interested in participating in that day for the image and perception it might have. For those around them, that's fine. If that one of staying, but certainly if your conscience says you, you, you just you feel like the connection to 
the false things that we were just describing is too strong. And I know people who feel that way. I, and, and I, I, I completely honor their conscience in that matter. You've got to follow your conscience in that matter for sure. But in general, uh, I don't think there's any reason why you couldn't celebrate it with family and friends uh, as a, on a secular basis. Yeah. I, if you're going to do it, I think you do want to. I think Kent has an interesting point. Let me read what Kent said. He says, yes, we can. He references Romans 14, beginning verse 5. I want to talk about that in a minute. We do need to remember that even though such is acceptable, it must be limited to individual action. The observance of secular holidays is not an authorized collective work of the church. Because the observance of such secular holidays is limited to individual action, including family activities, such should never cause problems in the function of the local church. Such being the case, those who cannot in good conscience participate in such a secular activity are not put into a place where they are pressured to compromise their convictions. Okay. And I think that's right. Uh uh, I, I have a little bit of an, uh, a, a line of reasoning I'd like to suggest here. The Apostle Paul, I think, observed some things as a as, as a Jew. This is no, going that's turn, gone. So. That's fine. Yeah, he did. He observed certain days um, that he had preached against binding. Paul was very much against binding elements of the of the Jewish law on on Gentile converts in particular. That was a real that was a real crisis issue in the early church, uh, and he 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 was adamant against binding those things religiously. But interestingly, when he returned to Jerusalem at the end of his third missionary journey, he engaged in certain practices that were still a part of that, that had originated clearly in the Jewish law. And he observed those uh, as, as an individual practice. And so I think his example uh, suggests that you could do some things like that, certainly not binding them on anybody else, but you could, you could engage in, in a practice that maybe had its origins in, in religion, but not binding that as, as a practice that everybody should observe. Okay. Uh, he he did that in regards to circumcision. Uh, he had Timothy circumcised because Timothy had had a, uh, uh, one of, one of his parents was a Jew, and Paul was taking Timothy with him on on preaching efforts and thought that this could be a potential problem. He had Timothy circumcised. Later, when someone tried to insist that Titus be circumcised, Titus was purely a Gentile. Paul refused that, and so I think we see an example. Paul. Willing to to uh, participate in in a certain limited way in certain things, but absolutely not willing to let anybody bind those as essential. Okay. Uh, he also did that with eating of meats offered to idols. Yeah. He said, you know, if you if you go to eat, First uh, Corinthians ten beginning verse twenty five, he says, if you go to someone's house to eat, eat what they put before you. But if they try to make a point of it, say, you know, this meat is meat that had been offered to an idol, and they tried to make some religious significance of that, he said, don't do it. Not for your own conscience sake, but for their sake that are trying to make a point out of this. And that probably has some application to this question as well. All right. Josh, you had some thoughts. Yeah, along the same lines in Acts 21, Paul complied with the ordinances for uh, purification. Yeah. Even though the law of Moses wasn't in effect anymore. Yeah. Um, and so in First Corinthians 9, that's where he talked about, I became all things to all men so that he could win some. And so he, yeah, just like you were saying, he, he did some things. 
uh, he didn't bind that on other people, but he, he went to, to people and, and did some things in order to build a relationship with them in order to convert them and teach them the truth. So I thought, I think it's very interesting the yeah. that you made. I think, and so I think Paul's example probably, uh, has some application. I, you know, our listeners will have to consider how they, how they think that may apply to their specific decision as to whether or not they can observe Christmas as a non-binding, even secular holiday. So I think we observe lots of days in various ways that are not religious. Like I said, 4th of July, Memorial Day, Labor Day, Thanksgiving Day. I don't know if he has a conscience issue with any of those. If if It'd be my judgment, although I wouldn't want to offend anyone's conscience or ask anybody to violate their own conscience, I think we can observe Christmas that same way. Uh, I can honestly say anything that we do in regards to family gatherings or, or gift exchanges or anything like that, I never even ever think about it being a, having a religious connection. And I really don't think maybe years ago people in the community might have connected that with it. But I think if people see my family gathering at my house on on that day of the year, I don't think they think that we're commemorating the birthday of Jesus because I just think I think Christmas really has become almost totally secularized. So I don't I don't personally I don't think that that I, I'm I'm not personally worried that my example in the community might be affected that someone but, might misunderstand that I'm making a a binding religious observance of the birthday of Jesus. And that may have something to do with the community you live in. Yeah, exactly. Right. That may be other areas of the of the country where And that, so there's be some judgments. Yeah. 8169 says I understand that Paul observed those things so in order to be in the presence of those people and in order to teach the gospel of Christ to those who were gathered upon those Jewish festival occasions not to find his salvation in the old covenant laws. I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, now, now let's take the other side of this coin. And Mohan commented on that. Could I, could I make a a spiritually significant observance or r- remembrance of the birth of Jesus? Here's what I'm thinking. So, I'm going to just pick a day. It's just arbitrary because the Bible doesn't tell me the day. I'll pick June 21st. On June 21st, I'm just going to devote myself to reading the gospel accounts about the birth of Jesus, spend time in prayer, thanking God for sending his son, uh, for all the details that are related to the birth of Jesus. Uh, Just really try to spend a day devoted to specially thinking about the fact that Jesus came to live among men and how he was born of a virgin and all that. Could I do that? Would there be anything wrong with me picking a day and just sort of say, I'm not going to do anything else today. I'm just going to set this day aside, especially to be mindful of the, the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. How could how could anybody say that that would be wrong? I could do that. Uh, but I think where it would become a problem is if I said, Josh, June 21st now, you do it or else. Like the Catholic said, if you don't do it, it's a mortal sin. You go straight to hell. That's where I think the the issue would become critical. Yeah, Mohan in his uh, response says there is not religious authority to observe the birth of Christ. 
However, it is not wrong to set aside a day or a period of time to remember his birth since his birth is recorded in the Bible. And without his birth, there would not have been a payment for the sins of mankind and the offer of salvation. Celebrating Christmas is an individual decision, and I believe Romans 14 applies here. Thank you, Mohan, for your comments. Uh, both Kent and Mohan made reference to Romans 14. Let me read the verses that they that they have suggested that I think are applicable. In Romans 14, verse 5, One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. So uh, here, and I really think in this section of Romans 14, Paul is suggesting that people's individual conscience can practice things. Now, I, I couldn't do inherently evil things, but I may choose a day. He even talks about regarding some day. I, I, I think I could do that. I couldn't bind it on anybody else, and I couldn't judge you for not doing the same thing that I do. I think that's the principle set forth there in Romans chapter 14. But I believe I could do that, and I think that passage would would stand as proof of that. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, 8169 in the chat room says, and now, as of December 24, 2017, not only is one day of Christmas being taught, from the pulpit of one Middle Tennessee Church of Christ, but the preacher just introduced the celebration of Epiphany, which, as he noted, is how those of Orthodox Church celebrate. Uh, that is, this Church of Christ preacher is teaching that Christmas should be more than one day. Well, he's introducing some some Catholic uh, holidays there into his teaching, uh, certainly without uh, precedent from the scriptures. Yeah, and and I think that's where the, the you cross the line. If you begin, in other words, now you're making it a church activity. Uh, so I chose J- J- uh, June 21st. I'm just going to remember the birth of Jesus on that day. I don't have any problem with that. Anybody could choose whatever day they want. But when we begin to make it a corporate action of the local congregation, and we therefore binding that observance on others. There's no, there's absolutely no basis for that at all in scripture. All right. Uh, appreciate those thoughts. Um, we need to get to a break and get to our, uh, last topic for 2017. Let's talk about when we come back from the break, let's talk about some worthy spiritual goals for the new year. One more break for the year and then we're back and going to the top of the hour. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're back after this. Wow. It isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. And 1 Peter 3 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. Most Christians believe that the sex of anyone is determined at birth. 
while a similar number of those identified as religious nuns, that includes atheists and others, they believe that a person's gender identification can come later. This is according to a new survey on transgender people. The poll from Pew Research Center found a huge split between Christians and others on the transgender question. 63% of Christians say that whether someone is a man or a woman is determined by their sex at birth. 62% of those identified as religious nuns, that is, they have no religion, say a person's gender is not necessarily determined by the sex they are assigned at birth. 61% of white evangelicals feel society has gone too far when it comes to accepting people who are transgender. 65% of atheists feel society has not gone far enough. All that information is via the Washington Examiner. Isaiah 5 verse 20 says, Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. And we're back on the program. Going to the top of the hour. We're switching gears now, talking about Christmas there. Now we want to talk about the new year. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I looked at some statistics just today about resolutions, and almost 90% of Americans make resolutions at New Year's, uh, but or only around 20% of people keep the resolutions they make. So it's very common to make resolutions. Uh, it's just it, there's just something about a new beginning of a new year that sort of serves as a stimulus to think, I want to get some things, I want to improve some things in my life. Maybe lots of diets will be started on uh, the new year, okay. exercise programs, yep. and so forth. Uh, so why not put some emphasis on spiritual things and say we'll, do, we'll, we'll emphasize spiritual things in the new year? What are some special spiritual emphasis that we could make? Uh, Kent had some thoughts along the same line that I did. Uh, I'll read his list. He says, spend more time in prayer, accomplish more in-depth study of the Bible, strive to engage in more personal evangelism, strive to be more benevolent to those in need, strive to be a better steward and give of, give more time, resources, and finances to God. Excellent things there, Kent. Good, uh, uh, Kent. Appreciate those and appreciate his uh, focus on these things. You know, I think... Uh being a better steward of our time is uh, certainly one that uh, we uh, need to be thinking about. It's this technological age. Lots of distractions. Yeah. And it Lots keeps of, us from, one of the things it keeps us from is from Bible study. In-depth Bible study, as yeah, you mentioned yeah. there. Appreciate uh, that, Ken. And, and, you know, we, we should pay attention to Bible. I think the reason why people, for instance, would say about our daily Bible reading calendar, I just don't have the time to do that. I, I just don't have time. But if you think about the amount of time we may, we waste uh, uh, watching TV or playing on the internet. Reading Facebook or reading, reading other things on the internet. If you took a fraction, probably a fraction of the time that you spend on social media, you could easily read your Bible through in 2018. With just a fraction of the time that you're spending on, well, maybe we should say wasting on things like Facebook and so forth. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that increased study is certainly appropriate. Uh, more time in prayer, Kent mentioned. Uh, uh, I think I had that on my list as well. I, I really believe that we don't take advantage of the, the powerful avenue of prayer that is available to us. We should spend more time in prayer. Again, what I think, I, speaking just for myself, one of the reasons I think I don't pray as often as I should is because I imagine I'm too busy. And I, just, just, I, I just don't stop and take the time to pray. Which is really a big mistake. Okay. It is so important, and it's such a privilege uh, to approach the throne of God in prayer. 
we need to spend more time in prayer. So more study, more prayer. Very good. All right. Send them in the chat room if you've been giving some thought to what you want to accomplish in 2018. Uh, some goals uh, in the spiritual realm that you would uh, you want to put some focus on. Uh, send those in. Uh, I, another thing on my list is, is is increased holiness. You know, we're 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 very we're being bombarded by the evil society around us. We we need to be pure of heart. Jesus said in Matthew five verse eight, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God." Uh, we got to keep our hearts pure, uh, and and so more more controlling of our thoughts. Less allowing the evil world to plant those awful images in our minds and see things and think about things that we should not be thinking about. What we watch uh, on TV and the movies, what we listen to by way of music, uh, for instance, all those kind of things. More attention to holiness, I think, is important. You know, the things that we try to keep holy and pure and clean uh, in the physical realm... You, you keep you take excellent extra care and caution, and you keep those things away from things that would pollute them. For instance, when you bring in your groceries from the, the the car, you don't drag them across the garage floor on your way into the kitchen. You keep them away from the dirt and the and the grime and the things that you would that would pollute your groceries. The same is true for our our hearts and our souls. Is we need to keep those things pure by separating them ourselves from them, not allowing ourselves to be exposed to those things that could uh, defile us. Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If I allow myself to think about these things, then I will eventually act out on these things. There you go. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And notice this, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Yeah. Very important. Yep. All right. Uh, certainly, um, we need to make sure that that's a focus for 2018, and that, that's something that uh, all of us can give attention to, as you mentioned, in this world that we're bombarded by uh, by wickedness. Um, something else on my list, more gratitude uh, in everything. First Thessalonians 5, verse 18, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So more gratitude more contentment. Those things go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, less, you know, less desire, less desire for the material things of this world. That would be important in the new year for sure. I think. Okay, and Hebrews thirteen verses five and six come to mind as we uh, have those on uh, one of our bumpers. Yeah, that we should be content with the things that we have. For He'll yeah. never leave us for, for forsake us. Kent mentioned more evangelism, more personal efforts in evangelism. That's always appropriate. You know, there's a lost world right outside our door. Yep. Uh, neighbors, friends, family. Uh, this is a good time to think about, how, uh, and and maybe even think specifically of individuals. You know, I, I want to talk to so and so. I want to make a special effort this year to try to reach this individual. Not and so, so don't just be vague and say I just generally want to be evangelist. Think about specific people that you can really work on and, and make it a a priority in the new year. Maybe make it a small steps, maybe steps. No, don't don't uh, make the goal that you're going to convert someone. Maybe make the goal you're just going to mention uh, something about God in the Bible to this individual. Yeah, James five twenty says, "He that converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins." Okay, all right. 
So uh, that evangelism thing certainly is appropriate. In the chat room, let us know if you've got any goals that you've been thinking about for 2018. We'd like to hear them, share them with others tonight. Yeah. Uh, we got all our comments in the chat room, I think. Uh, we have uh, one more there on uh, on that uh, epiphany and Christmas comment yeah. there. Uh, on my list, I had, so more love for the lost. How about increased love of brethren? Uh uh, being more willing to serve one another in the body of Christ. Uh, we've, we, in, just in recent weeks, we talked about Jesus' example in John 13 of washing the disciples' feet. Be a servant to others. Jesus said, you should do as I've done and do. And we believe what he's saying there is be a servant to others. So be a servant to others. Be less concerned with self. We live in such a selfish age that that carries, unfortunately, I think that carries over to us in our interactions within the church. What's been done for me? What have you done for me lately? You know, is, is sort of the thinking. And, and we need to, uh, be, be less focused on self. Okay. Romans 12 verse 3, I say through the grace given to me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. So, you know, less concern about self, more concern about serving others. And I would throw in there uh, the instructions about hospitality, you know, be more hospitable. Certainly a way that we can serve our brethren is through the avenue of hospitality. And that's uh, becoming a lost art in our society today. Kent mentioned in his email uh, uh, more more generosity and uh, giving more of, of time, effort and finances to the Lord. Maybe this is a good time to re- recalculate what I've been giving by way of my contributions. Uh, I think a lot of people don't do that. I think, I mean, they've just been giving the same thing for years. Every, every Sunday when the collection plate goes by, they put the same amount in and they just never have really thought of it. Maybe this is a good time to think, you know, I'm making a, I'm making a lot better uh, prosperity now than I was 10 years ago. I need to rethink what my contribution is and, and my finances, be more generous in my giving. Uh, uh, we're to give as we've been prospered. We've been prospered abundantly. So do that. Um, and Kent mentioned uh, be more benevolently inclined. Right. That's right. really important. I think we don't we don't put enough emphasis on that. And the Bible has a tremendous amount to say about being benevolent. People. Sure. Uh, and, and so we should. We should. All right. Uh, Josh, any thoughts? Yeah, I got a just a general <clears throat> comment. Second Corinthians thirteen five says, "Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith." So just generally, I think at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, would be a good time to take a look at myself and try to see myself how God sees me. Yeah. You know, so I think well, I'm not too bad of a guy. I do I do some good things, but I need to look at myself how 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 God sees me. And so if I need areas to improve in, now's this great now's right the time, time for a little self evaluation. Yeah, and I do think that there's just something about the start of a new year that just that, that provokes that kind of thinking more so than any other time. And so take advantage of that uh, soul searching, self evaluation sort of thing. Jeff says that he wants he resolves to do the same things I resolve to do every year that I never keep anyways. Well, Jeff, um, certainly you're not alone in that, but uh, maybe encourage everyone to keep them this year. Yeah, think about them and uh, and make the plan. Let's uh, let's keep them this year. Yeah. So there's just a lot of things that ought to be on our list of, of spiritual priorities for the new year. Um, resolutions. Think, do some soul searching. Think, evaluate. 
make some changes. Well, look, we'll give, we're just about out of time, but we'll give one more, uh, uh, push for our daily Bible reading calendar. I mean, you don't have to follow the daily Bible reading calendar that we're suggesting, but you need to follow some certain one. Yep. And, uh, spend some time reading the Bible on a regular basis. All right. Uh, and, uh, listen, we're, we're running out of time, uh, in our life here. You know, they're not going to be, an indefinite number of these new years to make these resolutions. We don't need yeah. to take them uh, half-heartedly and uh, just sort of a, on a nonchalant basis. Let's get serious about this because yeah. it may be the last one we see. And how about, as a resolution, saying, I'm going to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study? Well, that would be a good one. I yeah. hope that that's not one of the ones that Jeff yeah. is resolving to do every year and he's not keeping. Uh, but he's yeah. there He's there all the time. But yeah. uh, we appreciate our listeners and uh we would like you to be back next year uh, for the virtual Bible study and uh, be not only listen, but participate. Send yeah. us some emails. Let us know you're out there. Send us some questions or topics that you'd like discussed. Uh, those certainly help our program to be better. All right. Josh, any final comments from you the last uh, time for 2017? I enjoyed being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Josh, for helping us and being here throughout the year. Uh, tonight as well. And, Dad, thank you for another good year. Thanks, Jacob. And thank you for being a part of the Virtual Bible Study. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word tonight. Here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study in 2018. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.